I am so excited to introduce the one and only Heather Fraser on Organic Vibes. And for those of you who don't know or can't tell, Heather Fraser is my wonderful and amazing and extraordinary and loving and beautiful and gentle and kind and just uh, overall an amazing person and also my mother (laughs) and I wanted to have her as my first guest on this podcast because I figured it would be a great way for people to get to know more about me and my journey but also about where I came from and where I've learned so much of my values in life and my everything I care about and um yeah, my, my perspectives on things. And so I really am honored and excited to welcome Heather Fraser to the Organic Vibes podcast. Oh, I'm so happy to be with you. I'm totally Yay. blushing right now. Good, you should be. <laughs> <laughs> welcome. Hi. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're, you're so welcome. It's my honor. It's my, my pleasure. Thank you for being on. Um. So I wanted to start like a thing. I wanted to have a thing for my podcast because like, you know, Sahara Rose has a thing. Um, Did you ask a question to everybody in the beginning of the podcast? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want to ask, what does it mean to you to live organically? That's a beautiful question. I think um, for me to live organically there's so many different um, different ways to think about it, right? But I think overall mm-hmm. for me, organically obviously means naturally, as naturally as possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think just in terms of your attitude toward life, letting, you know, having plans and, and being intentional with things, but also leaving room for things to just kind of happen the way they're going to happen and being, and being okay with that when they do and just you know, seeing life as an adventure, something to be enjoyed, um, even when it doesn't go the way you planned it. Yeah. Mm, love that. Mm, <laughs> love that. That's, that's amazing. I completely agree. And I, I think I chose the name like organic so that it could have so many different interpretations. Mm. Um, and I really love that interpretation because it Oh, hello, New York. (laughs) Um, I really love that interpretation because it's it's so true that like your life does not always go the way as planned. And I think Hmm. um, Hmm. through this conversation, a lot of people will realize that that is a common theme in your mine and yours, yours and mine, our our lives. (laughs) (laughs) What's grammar? Um, <laughs> I don't know what is that. Words are hard. Words are hard. Heather Fraser was also my first teacher. <laughs> oh, don't embarrass myself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, it's true though. It's true. It is. And so I wanted to ask more questions. Um, and I didn't want to like make them all focused on like me. Um, because I, I realized that some of the questions were like, oh, tell me about me as a child, which I would love to talk about, but I also want to know more about you. And so who are you and what do you do? Who am I? Oh, if only I knew. No, um, <laughs> <laughs> I am, oh goodness. I am a, um, you know, I'm still finding out who I am, to be honest, truly. Um, mm-hmm. but I am a a mother and a partner and a friend and a daughter, um, a traveler um, mm. in this world and a gardener and an adventurer. Um, yes. <laughs> I think I have a little bit of a gypsy soul, but mm-hmm. but I've reined it in a bit and I'm not sure how that's going. But anyway, mm. so <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, a glorious mess a lot of the time and <laughs> learning to be okay with that. But um, yeah, one of the things that I really, one of the things, the pieces of me, the, the pieces of who I am is an educator. And mm. I feel like I've always been an educator my entire life. Um, back when I was a little girl, I was the girl, little girl that sat her dolls and stuffed animals up in the room and played teacher. And then <laughs> after school with the other kids I wanted to play school um and then you know I 
taught my kids school at home. (laughs) And and now I'm an academic success coach at a university in San Antonio, the University of San Antonio. Mm -hmm. Sorry, the University of Texas (laughs) at San Antonio, um, (laughs) where I I get to meet with students one-on-one and in a group setting through workshops and through teaching a college success seminar um, and just share my nerdiness and passion for learning and help them success succeed words are hard let me tell you um (laughs) help them uh succeed in meeting their goals academically and um yeah so that's just i think a big part of of who i am and what i do is um i love being a part of other people's journeys and Mm -hmm. and watching them grow so yeah (laughs) That's beautiful. I, I think I forgot that little note about how you used to teach your dolls, <laughs> but it makes it it makes so much sense as to why you and I are so similar in so many ways. <laughs> um, like can relate <laughs> to totally. feeling like an educator and to like always wanting to learn more so that you can teach more and that you can share more with other people. Yeah, I think that's beautiful, and I love that you do that. And it's also been extraordinarily helpful for me throughout my academic journey to have you as a resource and all of these amazing things that you're learning about how to um, not just learn more but learn more effectively Absolutely. I think is something that you've always taught me and it's um, gotten me to where I am today so thank you <laughs> I'm so glad so much. well and I'm so yeah. honored that you accept my advice and that you have sought it out you know like all throughout your undergrad, yeah. you wanted to meet for coaching and mm-hmm. all of my colleagues were like jealous because they're like, what? <laughs> your daughter wants to meet with you for a coaching appointment? What? I'm like, uh, to yeah. Be, so to be fair, there was an ulterior motive of I miss my mom and I just want to <laughs> see her face every week because <laughs> going to school 2000 from home can be hard can so be hard. thank you for doing that. oh no taking time out of your work day it was always my pleasure so <laughs> so I'm gonna go a little bit out of order with like the questions sure. that I sent you but um I kind of wanted to segue into this idea so you said that you've always wanted to be an educator that's something you've always known but I wanted to ask you when you decided that you wanted to have a family and how that showed up for you in your life and um why that was important to you that you know i i don't know that i can pinpoint a specific time um i i think it probably started really started in in like late middle school high school when i started to babysit mm. and just really enjoyed being around children and yeah. um and just knew that that was something that I, that I wanted to do. I wanted to have my own children and, um, you know, wanted to be a homemaker, um, and Mm -hmm. have a, and, and, you know, just kind of be that central figure, that central maternal nurturing figure for a family. Um, Mm -hmm. so it started sometime in, in like adolescence. Right. And so by the time, by the time I was in college, I just knew, that that's what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. And that kind of informed, um, you know, when I went to college the first time <laughs> straight out of high school, I wanted to be a teacher mm-hmm. because I knew I wanted to have a family and I wanted to, um, obviously wanted to be an educator, but I wanted to have similar schedules to my children, you know, be off yeah. when they were off from school, that sort of thing. Um, and of course that was before the whole decision to homeschool came into a to play so <laughs> I was gonna say you really synced our schedule <laughs> I was so good at syncing that schedule but yeah so that's you know I, I don't know that it was something I knew from the time I was a little little girl but as soon as I started interacting mm-hmm. really with children because I'm an only child so I don't have any younger siblings or really mm-hmm. cousins or anything like that that I was close to so I think it was babysitting and I was like awesome. hey this is cool I want to do this for myself and you were like a nanny that like traveled with families too, right? Or like, yeah, for for one summer, a governess, an au pair, um, oh. I guess. You know, it started off when I was in college, um, in Oklahoma City. Um, I went to college for a couple of years. Babysat. I got um, just regular babysitting gig 
through the college. Um, and the summer between my freshman and sophomore year, the family invited me to stay and live with them through the summer. So I stayed in Oklahoma City and lived with them and was just like their live-in nanny for the summer. And they took me on their summer vacation to California. And, um, and it was just really neat. It was, it was a really neat experience. So was this the same family that you saved one of the children <laughs> heroically? No. <laughs> oh no. This was one of the most traumatic moments of my entire life. Thank you so much for bringing it oh, up. No. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to talk about it. If it no, if it's okay. But it's funny because it, it really was traumatic and it, it influenced some of my parenting practices with you and your brother and sister. They had a pool in their backyard and I would take the little girls swimming. And I can't remember, I think the older one was about three or four and the younger one was about, you know, 16, 18 months. And um, we had been in the pool and the um, older one had her little floaties on and was learning to swim. And so the, the toddler was, I had put her on the patio close to the house and I was, you know, in the water with the older one helping her swim turned around and the toddler was gone. Didn't see her until I looked toward the shallow end and there she was under the water. And this is very traumatic and very scary. And people are probably like, Oh my gosh, you horrible person. But it literally did happen in a second. All it takes is a second. Yes. So, but I was in the pool and was able to, I mean, it had like, I turned around probably right when she fell in. And so I was there, I grabbed Mm -hmm. her, got her out of the water. You know, she was fine. Didn't, even, didn't have mm-hmm. to do CPR or anything. Like, it literally happened in a split second. But mm-hmm. it traumatized me. It traumatized me. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, like, their parents were like, they were so forgiving and so sweet. And they're like, you were with her. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'll never take them near water again. And this will never <laughs> happen again. And they're like, no, please. We want you to take them swimming. No, I can't do that. I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, so the, like, when you guys were little, you were never allowed around water unless I was there. <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. you did not go over to friend's house to go swimming. You didn't go on <laughs> river trips. or You know, we just didn't do that because I was afraid you would drown. Mm-hmm. Like, I just was convinced that would happen. And, in fact, twice I had to jump in after your sister <laughs> <laughs> to save her from being carried away from, you know. So, anyway, it was just, yeah, trauma, trauma, trauma. Yeah. But um, Well, thank you for, for being vulnerable and sharing that story. I'm sorry. <laughs> Put you in a vulnerable state, but I appreciate. Oh, okay, thank you. Candace. Yeah, and I think that's very inspiring, and also of because I wouldn't say that we had a sheltered childhood, but we I felt so oh. protected throughout my entire childhood, <laughs> um, and I just always felt that like very motherly instinct, and the very like I will protect you, I will take care of you, and like don't fuck with my babies. Oh, pardon me, I should probably bleep that out. I but was don't ask my are we allowed babies. to cuss on your podcast because I think it's fine I think it's organic you know it just it happens, right? it happens. <laughs> only if it's, it's organic. a part of life okay exactly don't yeah. force it no, I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> I was mostly telling myself that um but yeah I think I always felt like the the mother lioness that's like Ooh. I will protect my children wow. and I will like not let anything harm them um so I always really appreciated that. And you always felt very like attentive and never like absent. You know what I mean? So. Oh, thank you. So I love glad. the way that we <laughs> <laughs> um, So yeah, I guess, can we segue a little bit into um, more traumatic experience? Speaking of trauma. <laughs> Let's continue. Uh, yeah, but I think it's, I, I, in my like development, I think with spirituality and with like understanding why I belong in the universe and trying to kind of figure out like what my purpose in life is and stuff like I've always felt a kind of um, like, I don't, it's like, 
hard to explain, but like, I felt like I belong, you know, I felt like there's a reason that I'm here mm-hmm. in my, and like, there's a reason I'm on this planet. And I think a lot of that had to do with hearing stories about how I was born from like a very young age. I have like really specific memories of like dad, you and dad both talking to me about like telling me that my life was a miracle and telling me that like it, that like yeah. <laughs> it was really rough. You prayed and you prayed and, and it, I was born <laughs> and I was like, didn't, you know, both of us like ended up being safe and healthy um mm-hmm. afterwards which is just a miracle so mm-hmm. I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the process because I think um it really shapes the way I think you view your life when you are told from such an early age that your life is precious and I think that we should tell every child that because every birth story is a miracle um absolutely but I think you know ours is a little <laughs> more ours exciting is, ours is so exciting it's such a cool story I love telling it I love talking about it so okay good so not as bad of a traumatic experience as either. <laughs> no no this is this is the good kind of trauma no <laughs> it's a good it's yeah it is um it's an incredible story to me and so let's talk about it dive right in okay so- um so let's see where to start. Well, um, I was going to ask yeah. if you, so when you first found out you were pregnant with me, oh, I think yeah. I've asked you this before, but how did you know, was there like a, Oh, I'm pregnant. Or was it like a, the physical manifestation? Like how, yeah. how did you find out? It was so funny. Um, it was very much a, Oh, I'm <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> so this was back in 1997. Um, mm-hmm. Allie was, had just turned a year old, your older sister. Mm-hmm. And we were um, staying with some friends out in Manor, Texas, while we were, while our little house was getting ready. And one day I woke up and just had zero energy, like mm-hmm. no energy, um, napped with Allie on just like could hardly stay out of bed and when I did um when I did wake up and decided I was kind of hungry and went to get something to eat I made some toast and put Mm -hmm. with mustard on it (laughs) and I was sitting there eating this toast with mustard and then I probably went back for another nap and then got back up and was talking to my to Miss Brenda about it and Mm-hmm. and something something in me because she was like man you know you really are tired today and so we started talking and something in me remembered that when Chris when I was pregnant with Chris I craved really like vinegary stuff like mm. things like pickles and olives and mustard <laughs> and so I was like <laughs> oh. <laughs> um and then you know so we did the standard went to the store got the pregnancy test and, um, and there was that little, those two little pink lines and my, mm-hmm. and so, you know, we were po, <laughs> we were living <laughs> in the middle of a cornfield, a cornfield, <laughs> literally <laughs> in this rinky dink, tattered up little old mobile home. And, you know, your dad was working for Reagan Sullivan in construction. He didn't, you know, own his business. He was an employee and I was a, you know, stay at home mom and we were broke and we had two children already. (laughs) So (laughs) I remember just going, wow, you know, just like, oh, wow, this was not planned. Right. Um, and yay for happy accident. (laughs) One of my favorite words is serendipity. And I think that's definitely what this was, but so I didn't, I wasn't like fearful or, I didn't have any regret. It was just like, whoa, (laughs) but (laughs) instantly, like almost in an instant, I knew everything was going to be okay because we were in God's hands. And if I was pregnant with you, it meant you were meant to be. And especially because, you know, years before, um, I had had some eh, hormonal issues, um, And I had gone to a doctor, um, a gynecologist who had told me that I would probably have trouble getting pregnant. 
because of the issues that I was going mm-hmm. through. She was like, you're probably going to need help when mm-hmm. you decide you want to have children. And for me, by that time, I knew that I wanted a family. And so, um, yeah. and so your brother, your sister, and you, to me, are all miracles because, you know, according to modern science, I was supposed to have mm-hmm. trouble getting pregnant, and I n- never did have any trouble. <laughs> so... Um, so yeah. yeah, so, so we joked about it later, your dad and I, and said that I, I, the mustard test, I passed the mustard test. That's what <laughs> told me I was pregnant. That's so, so funny. It, I, I you think know, that's people so are cool. out there probably going, stop telling this boring story. But to me, it really is funny. And it's just, um, I don't know. It's just, it's life, you know? Yeah. I think, yeah, I, I love, it's organic. It's, it's organic. life. It's just, how it happens and like mm-hmm. I really love that the fact about pregnancy is like you can feel it before like you take the test like you like if you listen to your body and like you've you'd already been through it before so you like knew what to look mm-hmm. for but like I think that's really cool yeah. <laughs> and I appreciate that that you open like you welcomed me into this world with open arms and not oh here's a mistake absolutely <laughs> because no yeah. What about the perception of your family and friends? <laughs> well, first of all, your your dad was very happy too when I told mm-hmm. him, and I was a little worried that he would be mm-hmm. wor- ups- not upset, but just worried, right? Um, yeah. But you know, he was very always very thankful anytime one of you came into existence. <laughs> um, I did wait until I was about oh seven or eight months pregnant to tell my mom <laughs> mm. because you know it's so funny because when I when I think about things if if I were to go back in time and, and be somebody else on the outside looking in I would have been worried about us right because <laughs> <laughs> like what are you guys doing you have no money mm. you're having all these kids mm. um and and Nani was I knew Nani was going to be like, Oh my gosh, what are you doing? So yeah, I waited as long as I could to tell her. And, (laughs) and one day it happened like this. She came over and, um, I had, she was helping me go through some stuff and I had a box of baby clothes (laughs) and she was like, Oh, do you want me to take this? I can, I can take this to Goodwill for you or something like that. And I was like, um, actually, I think not. <laughs> We're going to need those in a few months. And she just looked at me and was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Sat down. <laughs> Where's my wine? I need a glass of wine. Um, Did she really say not, that? Not quite. But maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but That's so well, funny. Also, Allie, um, you know, Allie's birth story, we haven't even gotten to your birth story yet. Isn't that funny? Um, but Allie's birth story was a bit traumatic as well. And Nani was there for it. And so I think oh wow, yeah. that traumatized her. And she really did drink like a whole bottle of wine after that. But um, <laughs> yeah, so I know, you know, anyway, but she, I mean, obviously you are so loved and welcomed everyone. Yeah. So yeah, I'm really glad I got to spend some time with um, Nani this summer. And I, I was listening to a podcast also that was talking about like your ancestors mm. and that your closest ancestors are your like grandparents. I mean, your parents, of course, but like at least one generation removed. And to think that, that I was once inside her body right. because I was inside you who and you were inside her. You were a little egg inside her. And just to think that like we, I am like a direct, you know, part of her. So it's just a really cool like experience to like be able to connect with her more and hear more about her experience on this world too. That's awesome. Uh, That is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. But. Okay. So let's, let's fast forward about (laughs) nine months or so, not quite nine months. So, um, so that was in the early summer of 1997 Mm -hmm. and your due date was March 7th, 1998. And in January 1998, um, I became pretty ill. I, I got pneumonia. Um, I got mm. really, really sick when I was about, when I was like eight months pregnant with you. 
And then Chris and Allie and your dad all got the chicken pox. <laughs> oh, um, my God. In February, right? And so I just, you know, I, I wow. had gotten ill and they were sick. And um, I just started to not feel well. And um, mm-hmm. I went to see a midwife, um, Michelle Fitzgerald, who is an amazing midwife in Austin, Texas. And she delivered Allie. And a queen. she is a queen. <laughs> and she saved my life when Allie was born. And so I knew that I wanted her to take care of us. And um, so I went to see her uh, one day for like, I think I was 38 weeks, something like that, 37 mm-hmm. weeks. And... Um, she took one look at me and said, sit down, I'm going to take your blood pressure. And I was, my blood pressure was high and I was very, um, I had severe edema, swollen. Mm -hmm. And she was like, Hmm, I'm taking you to my backup doctor because I think you have preeclampsia. And I did in fact have preeclampsia. So got sent home on bed rest and was told, okay, if you don't, you know, I think we tried some natural things to induce labor over the Mm -hmm. weekend. Um, Thank God they didn't work because if I had gone into labor out in the middle of a cornfield, this would be a completely different story. (laughs) (laughs) Equally as exciting. Slightly more exciting. So, but yeah, so I was on bed rest over the weekend and then Nani came Sunday and she was going to spend the night with Chris and Allie while your dad and I woke up early (laughs) Monday morning and we drove to the hospital. Um, And I was induced because I needed to have you. And this was two weeks prior to your due date. So, Mm. um, so February 23rd. Right on the cusp of of premature right like two weeks is the yeah that is hilarious though because you sure did not look like a premature baby (laughs) (laughs) so so typically spoiler spoiler alert um typically full term is anything from like 20 uh sorry 38 weeks on 38 to 42 Mm, so before 38 could be technically premature but still okay but anyway Mm -hmm. I digress. Um, so, you know, and I've always just, I've always been pretty interested in doing things naturally and just letting um, organically, organically, if you if will. You will. Um, <laughs> and so when we got to the hospital, I just felt very out of place and like, I don't, I don't belong here. Um, but I did. And um, so they put in the Pitocin drip to start contractions and um, we were, technically overseen by a doctor at that point, but Michelle, the midwife, and some of my friends, um, some of our friends from our um, little fellowship were there to support me. And, you know, throughout the day, I would have, you know, really hard contractions, um, but no progress, right, in labor, because Mm -hmm. in my humble opinion, when you are um, laying on your back in a hospital bed, in <laughs> right? Laying on your back, um, or your side. I can't remember. I think I was supposed to lay on my side because of my blood pressure, my blood mm. pressure was really high. Um, you know, hooked up to IVs and everything. And, and you just, yeah. your body's not, you're not allowing your body to work naturally. You're not allowing your gravity to help. It's, you know, there's just nothing natural about having a baby in a hospital. Um, yeah, you know, but sometimes that's exactly where you need to be. So, um, but I can remember like the nurses would come and check on me and like, oh, you can't, can't get out of bed. You got to lay on your side. Um, and then they would leave and I would have, I would feel contractions coming on and be like, okay, guys, help me out of bed so I can go squat in the bathroom and have this contraction. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get this labor going. And then, so we, I love that you have your support yeah, system. Yeah. And then we would, and then the nurses would come in. What were you doing? Your blood pressure dropped or your blood pressure went up. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been here all this time. <laughs> but um, I went on all day. And um, there was one point where um, I can't. So I was on magnesium sulfate 
for mm. something. I can't remember what now, but you know, just kind of just on all these different drips and stuff like that. And there was this one point where um, I got, oh my goodness, I can't believe it. Like I'm forgetting all the different things. Um, Cause there was one point where in retrospect, they were like, wow, that must've been the beginning of that, this whole process because I, my, oh yeah, my mm. blood pressure dropped. That's what it was. Um, my blood oh. pressure dropped like crazy and they had to come in and do something to bring my blood pressure up. Um, after it had already been too high. Yeah, it was really high. And then it dropped all of a sudden because, um, one of my Yikes. friends, her sister-in-law's a nurse and her sister-in-law was like, Oh, that was, that was your first clue. But nobody like the nurse there didn't really know the labor nurse was, I don't think she knew what she was doing. Bless her heart. But, um, mm. so anyway so but we you know we continued to you know have these contractions and try to push and eventually it was so painful and I wasn't able to move my body in a position (laughs) hello New York (laughs) I know I'm shutting my window that sound that's actually pretty appropriate uh sound for this story yeah for talking about hospital and emergency so okay um so we keep trying to push your blood blood pressure drops they do something to bring it back up and then um Mm -hmm. the pain is too much and I can't deal with it so they bring in um the anesthesiologist and I get the epidural and so you know then the you know then I can't feel anything right and Right. Again, super yeah, unnatural. Exactly. So pushing, 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 push, 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 you know, and, and then, um, you know, it got later and later in the day and it was closer to, it was about five o'clock, I think close to five, maybe around four thirty. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, the midwife was like, you know, Heather, I think you might want to consider having a cesarean because you're not making any progress. And we talked about it a little bit and she's like, I know you don't want to, but you know, and so we had had that conversation. And so the doctor came in just before five, I think. And we had said, okay, we're not sure we want to continue doing this much longer. We think that a cesarean is the way to go. And he was like, okay. Mm-hmm. But the nurse was telling him, oh no, she's, you know, at this station and this dilated. And he, and he listened to the nurse and he was like, okay, well, let's let her, let's ha- have her push for about another 20 or 30 minutes. And then if there's no more Ugh. progression, then we'll have the cesarean and so Mm -hmm. they had me pushing more you know push 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 and and then about 20 minutes later all of a sudden all hell broke loose and all I what I remember is this incredible rush of pain up in my shoulders and chest like something was Mm -hmm. it was just this strangest sensation and at the same time, nurses run in, they lost your heart tones on the monitors and they run in and they are massaging my belly and the doctor, you know, they call the doctor, he comes into the room and the midwife, Michelle, grabs him by the lapels of his white lab coat and says, section her now. <laughs> and he's like, okay, good idea. <laughs> didn't um didn't she put his hand on your tummy and like say there's yeah, foot. that's that's so hilarious. And that's something we didn't know about until um we met with her earlier this year. But yeah. Like, yeah, in um, January. Feel this. There's a foot in her belly. Like <laughs> he's like, okay. Um and, and in the meantime, all I, I just, I'm just like, ow, like this pain in my shoulders and what's going on. And they're just like, we're, we're not sure what that is, Heather, but we, you know, we need to get your baby out. And they were just, yeah. it was this very um, controlled state of panic on the part of the doctor and the nurses. Mm. And they, um, they wheeled me out and they were, they just continued to rub my belly. Like they were trying to stimulate you, mm-hmm. trying to find heart tones. And they wheeled me in to the surgery room for the emergency cesarean. And I do remember at that time, mm-hmm. I was just so scared. Um, 
And I looked up at your dad and he was really scared. (laughs) And, but he just looked at me and just said, I love you. And I was like, I love you too. And, um, you know, at that time, my, um, my faith was very different than it is now in a lot of ways, but I just knew that God was in control. Some, something outside of me Mm -hmm. was in control and so, um, so yeah, so they wheeled me in, they put me, um, in that little like twilight type type of sleep and, um, they, they did the cesarean and they got you out and, um, they immediately just started saying, <laughs> oh, I'm going to cry. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, keep it, keep it together, keep it together. No, it's okay. Um, but they just, you know, you didn't cry. And so they immediately just said, Heather, start talking to your baby. Let her hear your voice. And um, yeah. that was just the most terrifying. I mean, it may have been 30 seconds or two minutes or an hour. I, you know, like it was just terrifying. And so I talked to you and just told you that I loved you. Mm-hmm. And that I was right there, you know, and of course they've got you on a, on a, in a plastic bassinet somewhere. You weren't anywhere near me, so I couldn't touch you. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> and, um, I guess it makes sense yeah. because they were trying yeah. to. So you're, yeah. um, so j- just for grins, for anybody who doesn't know when babies are born, they, they, um, they take, they do a little assessment. And um, it's called the APGAR assessment, and they score babies um, based on, let's see, um, breathing, heart rate, muscle tone, reflex, Mm -hmm. and color. And Mm -hmm. a a baby can be rated zero to two for each of those. So the um, lowest you can get is a zero, and the highest you can get is a 10, and they they, they assess at one minute and at 10 minutes and your one minute APGAR score was a one because they could mm. detect a faint heartbeat <laughs> and damn, damn girl, <laughs> that's just wild, you know? Um, and so, mm. you know, I don't know. I don't know what happened in those moments. I don't know if you heard me talking to you or... You know, they just rubbed you vigorously enough <laughs> that you were like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm coming back, you know. But, um, but yeah, yeah, that was very, very intense. Um, and then, but, you know, you revived and you cried. <laughs> oh, and that mm. was just the most beautiful sound I've ever heard, you know, that cry. Um, it was beautiful. So um, your 10-minute APGAR score was a 10. Um, you know, oh my so God. you've been a high achiever ever since. Zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yes. So, um, and they, your dad took you into the, into the nursery, the, the NICU, I guess for a little while that he went with you. Mm-hmm. And then they went to work on trying to put me back together, which was in Oof. like, it took probably another three and a half, four hours of surgery because my uterus had basically exploded (laughs) and that's correction (laughs) I broke it (laughs) I kicked through it (laughs) your way into this world (laughs) I'm saying mom I'm a pitta I am a pitta (laughs) from the very beginning um so yeah the reason that they could feel your actual foot it, through my skin was that it was sticking out of the womb oh my but, god um, but yeah so what do we say like broke, breaking the mold, broke the mold day one the mold, girl. <laughs> anyway so yeah they um it took them a while because the tear went from the very top um I think they, I think it's called the fundus 
um, from the very top mm. to the very bottom, um, up one side of my uterus. And it was very close to my bladder and urethra and stuff. So he had to actually bring in a, a urologist to help make sure that everything was okay. Mm. And um, During that time, <laughs> your poor Nani. <laughs> she's she's at our house with Chris and Allie and she gets a call from mm-hmm. I don't know who one of our friends probably or the nurse or somebody saying um your daughter's in surgery and um you might want to come to the hospital because you might oh you know you might you might need to get there to say goodbye and um you know geez mm-hmm. oh my god so she gets there and she comes in and I'm just like in la la land. Right. Cause I'm, you know, in that half sedation stuff, you know? And so yeah. I didn't even get to hold you for probably four or five hours after you were born, after they had stitched. And then we were in the hospital, um, for about a week and, you know, just, I was in a lot of pain and away from home. It was just, it was very trying very trying time but during that time I just hmm? the flame those are the flames flames. you know like the yeah the ashes but during that time (laughs) I learned a a very very lot about um just going through adversity going through pain because you know Mm -hmm. I couldn't I couldn't pick you up I couldn't lift you I couldn't get out of bed myself I you know, there were just so many things that I took for granted because I'd had two other children, right? And so you have a baby and, oh, oh and mm-hmm. you nurse them and you change their diaper and you take care of them. And I couldn't take care of you the way I wanted to. Um, and just, you know, the healing process was so slow. I literally had to just say, okay, I'm going to get through this hour and then, mm-hmm. and then I'll see where I'm at. And then, okay. That hour went by. I'm still here. You know, I'm going to get through this next hour. Um, and we had wonderful support from from our, our fellowship and people. You know, they they made lunch and dinner for your dad and um, came and took care of Chris and Allie and came and visited me. And Nani stayed with us in the hospital a couple of days. And so it was just a really nice outpouring of love and support. Um, but I have... Yeah. It does. takes a village. And so I had, I had lost so much blood that I needed a blood transfusion. Um, and then I had this really adverse reaction to the blood transfusion. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so that was just another scary thing that happened while we were in the hospital. Um, but then yeah. I think on day seven, they sent us home and um, we got home and it was just very, again, just very unsettling. Everything was just so different than I had expected it to be. And I remember just not yeah. feeling myself, not feeling well. But they discharged me from the hospital, sent me home. Um, we got settled. You know, mm-hmm. Chris and Allie were just in love with you from day one. Um, I know that those emotions have roller coastered over the years, but I <laughs> <laughs> they've always loved you they've always loved For you, sure. loved you. But, um, but yeah so we all went to bed that night and before we went to bed your dad took a picture of me holding you and um, we went to bed and, and sometime during the night I woke up and I couldn't breathe and I was so scared and I woke your dad and I was like I can't breathe I cannot draw a breath I can't breathe and he's like okay what do you, what do you want me to do and I was like just can we just call somebody to come bring me some oxygen? <laughs> just like, I don't, I don't want to go to the hospital. I did not want to go back to the hospital. Um, but yeah. finally I was just, we called the doctor and he's like, you need to go to the hospital, you idiot. Like just go to the ER, <laughs> meet me at the ER. And so I had to leave you at home. I had to leave you and Chris and Allie. And so we called Miss Brenda and it was like, I don't know, 3 a.m. or something. And she met us um, in the driveway and 
Chris and Allie were still asleep. Um, Colton came over and slept on their couch. You know, her oldest son said that they, you know, so somebody would be with them. And I, I put you into her arms. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that I, I was going to go to the hospital and then I may never see you again. Like, I just remember thinking I may never see my children again. You know, they may never see me again. Like they, you know, I just did, I thought I was going to die. That was the time that I truly thought I'm going to (laughs) die. And so that was really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And it turned out I had um, plural, uh, is it plural edema? Girl, I I was drowning. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, plural edema. My lungs uh, or the, you know, the sack around my lungs had, had filled with fluid and I was mm-hmm. basically drowning in my own fluid. <laughs> um, they think that that was because of the reaction that I had to the blood transfusion and just everything that had happened. Um, the trauma. And also all of the, the pressure you were putting on your body and like pushing so hard, you probably burst yeah. something. Yeah. I did. You know? I, bur- like, I, I burst something. a blood vessel in my belly button. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't so know anyway, that. Um, yeah, they put me on some killer diuretics, and I peed it all out, and I was better. <laughs> yeah, wow. And the next- Modern right? people, and so yeah, so they kept me in the hospital for a couple more days, just to be sure. Um, and they let me keep you with mm-hmm. with me, of course. Um, and we were, we were the talk of the maternity ward. Let me tell you, we, they were, <laughs> they were talking about us, but, um, that my dear is how you entered this world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you for reliving that. And I, I can only like imagine I'm, I'm not even a mother, you know, like I can't imagine what it's like to have a child, much less feel like you might lose the child and then feel like you might the child might lose you all in the same like 24 hours um so thank you for again being vulnerable and sharing that and I think it's so such a testament to how powerful you are and how strong and resilient you are that you survived that because I don't know I feel like it takes so much strength to mentally go through all of that and come out on the other end. And I think that that also ties into your like super strong motherly instinct of like, I am going to be here for my babies. (laughs) Like I'm not, I'm not going because they need me. Um, So thank you. Thank you for fighting for us and for for you. Thank you. You, you three are my reason for fighting and for staying, you know, and just for, for everything I do. Yeah. So, but yeah, I love you. I love thanks. you. Thanks for letting me share. I don't know, you know, I, I know we've talked before about turning that into some sort of a, a stage production <laughs> or something. I think, I think that would be great. It would be skit. so awesome. Yeah. A play. You know. I can just see that, that like as the opening, the opening scene is section her now. I would love to see that on stage. You know, somebody grabbing the lapel and shaking this some sense into a doctor. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm sure there will be people that I... that disagree with you know some of the things I said, like about you know not feeling like the hospital yeah. is a place to have a baby because it obviously was the best place for me to have you. Um, at the same time, exactly. you know, I think the thing to keep in mind is that we're all human and, you know, humans mm-hmm. have limited judgment, some, you know, to, you know, to varying degrees mm-hmm. and, and limited judgment of other absolutely. people's bodies. And what I, what I really love about the story is that like you, the way that pain manifested in your body and like because they silenced mm-hmm. like half of your body it was like your body was like no 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 yes. like we are hurting tell her that we're hurting and then the yeah. pain showed up in your shoulders and like warned you and then everybody else yes. that something was wrong and that like that's when like our bodies are so powerful and they like they talk to us in different ways and if we silence that communication mm-hmm. they'll find another way to like 
let us know. And then also, I think that it really informs the way that I view what I want to do with my life and what I like, why I'm so interested in bridging like more natural remedies and like alternative healing practices that have Mm -hmm. existed for centuries with medical practices and like modern Western medicine or whatever, because if it had not been for Western medicine, this we would true. not be here right this now. This is true. Potentially. Because you can argue that like they may have exacerbated the problem and it may not have been as terrible, but but like Michelle said, like we need mm-hmm. to go see a doctor, you know. So the fact that she realized that like there is value in both like mm-hmm. the natural home birth, but also having that option um, to be taken care of. And I think the only way to like prevent stuff like this hap- from happening in the future is to have more respect and like communication. I agree. More natural and um, more mm-hmm. scientifically proven. <laughs> I agree. And I, I guess so. my, my greatest wish would be that, you know, like you said, the medical community community could, could maintain some respect for natural processes. I think especially with childbirth, you know, yes, it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even know the statistics, but, you know, the United States actually has a, 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 a freakishly high, high morbidity. Um, morbidity rate, you know, women die in childbirth and women of color disproportionately, mm-hmm. right, um, w- right, within the medical community. Um, but I would love to see room in this community for women to give birth naturally, you know, but have access mm-hmm. to that medical care if needed, right? Um so yeah. Okay. So funny, funny thing that I forgot when I was telling the story, and I'll just mention it real quick. The reason for the pain in my shoulders, mm-hmm. get this, it was called referred pain. And it was from the all of the blood and amniotic fluid that burst open and rushed up against my diaphragm mm-hmm. in my abdomen. That caused mm-hmm. the pain up in my shoulders. And oh, you know, my okay <laughs> but like you know if if i didn't have the the epidural would i have felt pain sooner that would have mm-hmm. stopped them from making me push so hard that i ruptured my uterus <laughs> but yeah you know oh my god yeah it, it is what it is and like i said i i feel like you know everybody there most everybody um there was that one nurse <laughs> that i think shouldn't have been there but everybody <laughs> and at the end of the day, you yeah. and I are still here. And it's, it's a great story to tell mm-hmm. because it has a happy ending. Um, it is. And, and yeah, I feel like we could Thank talk for hours just about birth and life and the miracle that, that it is and how that informs Absolutely. so many of my other beliefs and choices and stuff. But, but yeah. I'd love to ask another question. I don't know if it's scripted, but... Um that's a lot of trauma and and you you talked about like how the the healing process was slow and um and you know I think that everybody's on a healing journey oh, throughout yeah. their entire life you know <laughs> like we, we're always healing we're always being like constantly broken and put back together and stuff like that but I was wondering if you still feel um any remnants of that like trauma in your in your day-to-day or in like your um over the years like not just of the birth, but of having your body, like having to like explode and then be put back together. Um, Also losing, you know, your uterus and having to have that removed and, and how, how it's like affected your, um, I don't know, like not having your period and stuff like that. Maybe TMI for some people, but I don't care. This is organic. Um, Have you ever felt that like, whether like, hormone imbalances or anything like that have affected you and like your oh, healing journey? Absolutely. Um, in fact, th- while, while the doctors were putting me back together, <laughs> they, they said, they did mention that I should probably have my, ut- they, they should just take my uterus. And, you know, for, for whatever reason mm-hmm. at that time in that state, I was like, no, please don't. I just, I don't want you to remove it. Like, I just, I want to be whole. Um, mm-hmm. And so he, he, mm-hmm. he did, sew it up and leave it intact but he said this will you this your womb will not sustain another pregnancy 
you know, there's too much damage, mm. too much scar tissue. There's an intersecting scar between the the tear and this and this the um, incision for the cesarean, right? And so he, you know, he was just yeah. basically like, "You will not have any other children." And he mm. said, "So please, at least let me." give you a tubal ligation. Let me tie your tubes. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, and, Mm -hmm. and interestingly enough, I was at at peace with that decision. Yes. I had wanted a lot of kids. I think I told you, I originally thought I wanted six. And so there was some grieving that I had to go through to give up that, Mm -hmm. you know, ideal, but, but ultimately I was at peace Mm -hmm. with it because you know, if that meant, you know, I had three miracles, right? I had three children that I had supposedly been told that I would never yeah. have. And why be greedy, you know, and, and, and risk my children not <laughs> having a mother because I was foolish enough mm-hmm. to try to have another baby. You know, just it, to me, it was a no brainer. Um, I, you know, at the time had some yeah. friends challenge me on that and whether, whether or not my faith was strong enough. Um, yeah. Oh my God. That's really? A whole, that's a whole other podcast, girl. Um, but, um, yeah. That's toxic spirituality. <laughs> yes. We can talk but, about um, anyway, so, so there was that. But then my body did, for the next four years, I basically just hemorrhaged, <laughs> had horrible periods mm. and just terrible, terrible, heavy, heavy flows, heavy pain. Um, and, you know, <laughs> would go to doctors and, and this is interesting because this is about the time that I really started, you know, I was just ill for about four years and, um, a lot of it was hormonal. A lot of it was blood loss. And I would go to doctors and they'd be like, Oh, well, you're bleeding here. Let me put you on all this estrogen. And so it stopped, it would stop the bleeding, but mm-hmm. then I would have to take other medication because it would make me nauseous. And then I would gain weight and then I would go to the doctor and I would say, well, I'm having these really heavy periods and I've been on this, this medicine and I'm and gaining they would... weight. And they'd be like, well, your weight gain is what's causing your heavy periods. And I'd be like, um, oh. but I don't think so. And so finally, um, finally one, oh my gosh, I just, this just never ends. It's the never ending story of, of my reproduction. <laughs> but um, it is, it's a story of it healing. Is a story of healing. A story of healing. Um, so I guess, you know, as far as the, the, like any emotional trauma that I went through during that time, I really feel like I, mm-hmm. I, I healed from that pretty well, but physically, yeah, my body was a mess. Mm-hmm. And about four years later, um, I just, I just bled for months, for months and months and months. And, Mm. um, I finally, like, I finally had to call a friend one day because I woke up one morning and, and couldn't even get out of bed and thought, I'm, I'm going to die today. Like, I'm just going to die oh in my God. bed today. I've literally just, and so I went, uh, she, she can't, your dad was at work. And so she can picked me up and picked all of you up, took me to the emergency room. And, um, when I walked in the nurse that was walking or whoever it was that was working the desk was like, get this woman a wheelchair. Like my, I was white as a sheet and, um, basically had almost bled to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why that's yeah. funny. Because <laughs> you're here like, now to like, talk about your children and the house and homeschooling and just and just like what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel well? Well, girl, you're bleeding to death. So I had I had to have another blood transfusion, oh. and finally this doctor was like, mm-hmm. "So tell me what's been going on for the last four years? You're ble- okay, okay, um, okay. Do you do you think it's time to just get rid of the uterus? Like, <laughs> you think it's time?" <laughs> to just get rid of this thing <laughs> and at that point I was like yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I'm ready so that's mm-hmm. when um you were four years old 2002 I had my hysterectomy and mm-hmm. I haven't had a period since and it's been amazing so I haven't had a period in <laughs> 22 years <laughs> and so I mean, that's been, yeah. but in all fairness, I probably bled yeah. enough in those four years to last me a lifetime. 
so <laughs> to make up for it. <laughs> I did You've my done duty. your, your I duty. Served my time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so physically, yeah. I think that a lot of the issues that I still deal with today with my weight and my hormones, um, I think a lot of that really does stem from that time period, especially after, mm-hmm. you know, with the trauma of the birth and then the medication and the hormones and the blood loss and, you know, just that whole circus that I mm-hmm. went through for so many years. Um, I think it, it did take its toll on my body, but you know, no excuses yeah. or anything. Just can we look at the origins? Right. <laughs> yeah. And also look at that body and be like, damn, you're a survivor. You're a bad bitch. <laughs> You know what? That's gonna be my that's gonna be my affirmation. I'm gonna have to try that. Just look at myself and go, that yeah. is the body of a survivor. <laughs> Hell yeah. It is. Thanks. That's beautiful. Aww, I am so amazed by you. Thank you. <laughs> I love you too. And I think um I was gonna say something about Oh, the thought escapes me. But yeah, I just, I, I really do like thinking about how um, everything happens for a reason. Absolutely. And w- when you were talking about serendipity and stuff and is of, of like, okay, so the doctor said you weren't going to have any kids, but then God was like, or source of it, the, the universe was like, you're going to have yes. three babies and that's it. <laughs> And then no, they were like, no, no girl, that's, really. that's really it. <laughs> like, we're going to let you get through this, but that's, we're letting you get Try. through this, but you're not going <laughs> to have well, any more. You know, I think yeah. I've said this to you before, too. Like, after your dad and I split up and I was a single mom with three kids, I'm like, okay, you knew what you were doing. Thank you for stopping me. What I would do if I had six children to, mm-hmm. to, to take care of, you know, as a single mom and... So, yeah. yes, trust the universe. Trust the source. The source knows. Trust, trust the sign. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, for sure. Everything happens for a I reason. I think it's, it's really cool also to think about, like, little, like, so how there's different archetypes of, like, whenever you're born kind of defines mm-hmm. certain aspects of your personality. And um, so there's, like, the Chinese zodiac. There's, like, the... Oh, I can't like the mm-hmm. astrology zodiac, which I don't. Is that I Greek? No, I've never thought Greek. of that. I don't know. Oh my gosh! Wait, why don't I? This is this is the problem with cultural appropriation is that we forget the source. <laughs> we like know all this stuff and then we forget where it comes from. But anyways, um, yeah. So that and I was reading one about like the like your human design archetype or something, and. It, it's like dependent on like the specific day that you're born and not just like the month mm-hmm. or the season or anything like that. It's like the specific day. If I had been born on March 7th, like same time and everything, same place, like I would have been mm-hmm. a different archetype. And the archetype that I, I am is like, I think it was um like projector or something. So like I, I, initiate change and like I, I my, my purpose in life is to like work mm. towards creating change and stuff whereas if I had been like born on the 7th it would have been different and it would have been more of like manifestation stuff so it's just interesting to think like maybe if I had been born just a little bit later I still would have been a Pisces but like there are other parts of my my personality that like maybe me being born on that day me like <laughs> me saying I'm coming out whether you like it or not um was part of like my yeah. purpose and my dharma, you know, like of, of why, you know, just keeping my mind open to like the the coincidences yeah, that aren't absolutely. always coincidence. And it is so cool to think about. To think about. So it's getting late, and I think we both need to get some sleep because absolutely, you know, sleep is important. Um, but I've so enjoyed talking to you and hearing your perspective of this because I obviously didn't have a perspective at the time, so just. Yeah, hearing your your journey of healing and of of strength and resilience is always inspiring. And um, I love hearing about that. And I love hearing about how much you love us and your children. And and I think that I just want to encourage you to do spread the same love and stuff to yourself. And 
again, look at yourself in the mirror and realize that that is the body of a survivor. Those scars are the scars of the survivor and someone who went through hell and back <laughs> and made it out alive Aww. and stronger than I ever. You. So. Thank you. I, I will. I will do that. I think in general, um, a lot of times people have a hard time um, showing that love and um you know, compassion to ourselves, the same love and compassion we show others. We have a, a difficult time mm-hmm. uh, showing it to ourselves. So thank you for that reminder. Absolutely. Well, you're welcome. And I would love to have a part two where we talk more about like sure our different thing. views on spirituality and different like synchronicities and serendipitous things that have happened in our life mm. that have like shaped that. So if you're down, mm, love a that. part two. <laughs> I'm so bad at saying that I can't say it right. <laughs> but love that. It's fine. <laughs> love that. No, seriously. Love that. That so Thank you so much um, for spending this time with me and, and letting me share more of our story with you and and whoever else happens to listen. Yeah. And the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love you. All right. I love you, Mama, and thank you so much. Yes, for being for my first me. guest was on wonderful. my podcast. How, how, how do you end All right. oh. your, your podcast? Um, <gasps> okay. Oh, my, my singing bowl. So I'll, I'll just like say thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this episode of Organic Vibes um, with the wonderful Heather Fraser. And I hope, you, I hope you all have an amazing day or evening or afternoon or yes, just existence. Yes. <laughs> Namaste. I say goodbye. Namaste. Namaste. (laughs) And then I play a little tone and then take a deep breath and say goodbye. (sighs) Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.